0: For a heart of gold. This is Carl Zinsmeister with Sweet Charity, a series of stories about how private giving solves public problems, adapted from the Philanthropy Roundtable’s Almanac of American Philanthropy, which is now available in a new compact edition. Officially, education in most poor countries is supposed to be provided by the government, at no charge to parents. But in practice, the developing world's state-run schools are often terrible or non-existent. In Nigeria, Africa's largest country, five million elementary-age children don't have any school available to them at all. Even where government schools do exist in poor countries, teachers are often appointed by nepotism rather than skill and are incompetent or demand bribes from families or simply don't show up. A recent World Bank study found that at a typical state-run school in Uganda, teachers were absent 57% of the time. In Kenya, teacher absenteeism averaged 48% of all school days. Now, in every land, parents are ambitious for their offspring and seek out workarounds when offered lousy education. When James Tooley was a volunteer teacher in Africa, before he became a professor of education in Britain, he began to hear about extremely low-cost private schools springing up in slums all across the developing world to serve parents who were unwilling to let their children languish in miserable government-run schools. Like most of us, Tooley thought of private schools as an option only for wealthy people. He couldn't believe poor parents could afford a private school, especially in the developing world where two billion people live on annual incomes of $700 or less. But Thule decided to investigate for himself, and the John Templeton Foundation gave him $800,000 to do a careful academic study. The investigators were shocked to discover that even in desperately poor shanty towns like Hyderabad, India, or Makoko, Nigeria, there were bare-bones private schools serving an enthusiastic audience. Grateful parents were lining up to enroll their children at a cost of about $2 to $6 per month, desperate to get their kids the education that the state failed to deliver. Fully half of all school children in impoverished districts of South India turned out to be enrolled in low-cost private schools. In the slums of Accra, Ghana, it was two-thirds. In Lagos, Nigeria, three-quarters of all poor children were enrolled in private schools. Similar striking results came from low-income districts of China and other Asian and African countries. Now, these private schools are not pretty to look at, But by hiring energetic instructors from the same slum where the children live and then giving them a standardized curriculum that the private operator carefully scripts and updates, they produce test results much better than the government schools. In every single region James Tooley studied, students from the super cheap private schools significantly outscored their counterparts in government schools after careful adjustment for things like demographic differences and IQ and so forth. And this is true on both the math and language skills. The private school teachers were much more likely to actually be teaching when unannounced school visits were made, and the private schools were better equipped with things like toilets and drinking water. After accumulating test results for 24,000 children, Thule concluded that academic results were dramatically better for the children attending low-cost private schools. The key difference is that the private schools must answer to their customers, so the teachers actually show up every single day. The school operators know that if their pupils don't learn, the parents will stop sending their hard-earned money. U.S. philanthropist Steve Beck, who provided early funding to expand these kinds of academies in Africa, says that, quote, "...the fees make school and parent accountable to each other. The state schools lack that accountability." When this research won a prize in 2006, smart philanthropists realized they could accelerate and extend the successes of these low-cost private schools by offering loans or grants for expansion. A group called the Orient Global Education Fund put up $100 million in 2007. Other philanthropic groups like Opportunity International, the IDP Foundation, and Edify began to provide microloans of $500 to $2,000 so that educational entrepreneurs in the third world could construct a new school branch or buy land to build on or install latrines or otherwise improve an existing school. Then, donors like Steve Beck and David Weekly, Piero Omidyar, Bill Ackman, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and many others put $100 million of launch money into new for-profit school operators like Bridge International Academies. After starting in a Nairobi slum in 2009, Bridge now educates about 100,000 children at 520 schools, with more of their, quote, schools-in-a-box popping up every year across Africa and Asia. Julianne Kaimani, who began her career teaching in government schools in Kenya before moving to one of Bridge's low-cost private schools, says that her government training was all about what to teach. Bridge, on the other hand, trained her how to teach effectively. When I joined Bridge, the training I went through, which every teacher goes through, I was taught how to teach. Better class management, better one-on-one with your peoples, better control of and better understanding of the content and how to deliver it. By picking and training their teachers carefully, then sending them out into simple schools with a highly structured curriculum and set of resources contained on a handheld electronic tablet, Bridge Academies has shown an ability to continue to get strong student results even as it grows rapidly. Despite operating on a shoestring, pupils at bridge schools score much better on proficiency exams than peers in nearby government schools, 37% higher in language skills and 24% higher in math overall. As they have grown, competition from low-cost private schools aimed at very poor families has started to alarm teacher unions in places like Kenya. Their teacher union comrades in the U.S. and Europe are likewise starting to call schools like bridge Reprehensible. That's the actual word that the president of America's NEA union used recently. Government regulators in some places are threatening to shut down these upstart schools. So donors impressed with what simple, highly accountable private schools are doing for poor kids in places like Africa may need to come to the defense of this fresh approach. For one of the clear lessons of education reform over the last generation is that even impeccable new ideas can be squashed if they threaten powerful constituencies. For Sweet Charity, this has been Carl Zinsmeister. And for more tales from the Almanac of American Philanthropy, which is now available in an updated compact edition, find the book at Amazon.